This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Sumiko Tan, Executive Editor of The Straits Times. Welcome to the Lunch with Sumiko podcast series, where I get up close with newsmakers over lunch and a selfie. There's a good ways to do it and there's bad ways to do it. The biggest risk of being friendly is if you end up like attracting the terrible people, right? Like the thing with the crypto space is that it's very high variance. And the problem is that if you get a certain kind of reputation, it's like very easy to accidentally attract all of the Duke ones. In 2013, 19-year-old Vitalik Buterin published a white paper on a new blockchain system he called Ethereum. He and several others developed it and the network went live two years later. Ethereum is an open-source, community-run platform that powers thousands of decentralized applications. Its digital currency, Ether, is the second largest in the world after Bitcoin. Mr. Buterim is now a director at the Ethereum Foundation. This is a non-profit body dedicated to supporting the technology. I'm Sumiko Tan, executive editor of The Straits Times. I'm meeting Mr. Buterim at Dao Paulo in Great Wall City. He tells me how there are good ways and bad ways to deal with the brave new world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. What do you think of like this, the Singapore's approach to crypto and blockchain, the MAS approach? Mm, I definitely appreciate the amount of effort that they've been putting into it and just like their willingness to explore many different kinds of applications and be supportive. Interesting, their willingness to uh, trying to like make a distinction between blockchain usage and cryptocurrency is like one of those weird things, right? Because it's like, a, it's like on the one hand, it's sort of the mindset that every regulator has want to be supportive of technology and making things easier for people. But like, you know, you find cryptocurrency weird and scary. But on the other hand, cryptocurrency do have this tight connection with each other. You can't really have one without the other, right? Like I think uh, some of the regulators in China definitely sort of tried to have one without the other. And like the reality is, I mean, if you don't have cryptocurrency, then like, the blockchains that you're going to have are just fake and nobody's going to care about them. But I guess the, the line that they're trying to take is they're trying to like discourage cryptocurrency speculation, but they're not actually banning it. And like, you know, people here who want to like, you know, buy, sell and have cryptocurrency still can if they want to. There's uh, even like banks that support cryptocurrency custodial services. Possibly a good, uh, I think it could be a good balance. Do you track the price of Ethereum like really, really closely? Mm-hmm sometimes but not always have you ever speculated at all in any crypto not really i just buy and hold things but some of the like smaller Mm -hmm. countries are into cryptocurrency they are yes i mean some have gotten like much further right like there's uh, a couple of small ones that have like e-residencies that are on the blockchain definitely a lot of like small countries where the government is very involved what are your views on that is it like safe for them? It depends on how they do it. Like, I think there's uh, good ways to do it and there's bad ways to do it. Like, I think that the biggest risk of being friendly is if you end up like attracting the terrible people, right? Like the thing with the crypto space is that it's very high variance, right? Like you have these just really amazing and genuine people like, um, you know, Zuko, for example. And then you also have like Duke One. And uh, the problem is that if you get a certain kind of reputation, it's like very easy to accidentally attract all of the Duke Ones. I mean, in Singapore, it's definitely true to some extent that the crypto space has not been sending its best, right? Like there's uh, like Duke One, actually 
actually himself spent some time here and then some of the people who were involved in the Luna collapse. And part of that was like China stuff, right? Because like would be as a result of the Chinese regulation. But then part of that is like if you're friendly, then, um, you know, people who can't get anywhere else will come. I appreciate the like the tough balance and kind of the position that Singapore and the EK and the MAS are in there. And that's like it's definitely true that like if a country is not smart about it, then, you know, they can easily end up just like being stuck as being, um, you know, the base for all of the like, Duke One people. And that's uh, not necessarily something that a country would want. But on the other hand, like it is, I think it's definitely possible to engage productively and like, get a lot of benefits. Do you see any danger of Ethereum being used for not so good purposes? Oh, it's, uh, what can you do about that? Yeah, I think like, um, a couple of those things have happened, right? Like there have been uh, like DeFi hacks and those kinds of things. The thing that we can do just as a community and that I think we've done fairly well at, but we can do better is just like not have a community that's supportive of that kind of behavior. This is um, like one of my criticisms of the Bitcoin community, for example, right? Is like they just automatically love everyone, everyone rich and powerful who supports Bitcoin, right? So. If you remember the uh, El Salvador situation last year, right? The uh, president of El Salvador announced at a conference in Miami that there would be this Bitcoin law that would require people at El Salvador to use Bitcoin. And uh, a lot of Bitcoin people just kind of ignored the fact that, um, you know, El Salvador was like, or at least, um, you know, Bukele's government was this like very not democratic uh, government that actually yeah, has a lot of problems and is like actually not that good at respecting people's freedom. And uh, they just kind of let themselves ignore that because look, a country is adopting Bitcoin. And, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, went up on stage with him and uh, kind of helped promote El Salvador. But then, you know, what happened is like, his entire thing was based on Bitcoin continuing to go up and up and then Bitcoin ended up going down and now it just looks terrible and not many people are using it. Basically just because the way the Bitcoin adoption was done was like very top down and forced, it just ended up not being very sustainable. Like that's an example of, uh, you know, like the kind of mistake that a cryptocurrency community could do to like enable bad behavior. But I think like in that particular case, the Ethereum community did dodge the bullet, right? And like, there's a reason why Luna was not built on Ethereum. I think the most that we can do as a community is just kind of be active in supporting good things and opposing bad things. And then aside for that, it's like, you know, like what else can we do? Like there's things that regulators can do. There's um, things that we as a community can do to educate users. It is something that like everyone will have to kind of like play some, uh, um, play some part of. There, there's a limit to like how much bad activity you can prevent but because it is an open system and like the, the nature of the system means that it has to be open. But there are lots of things that we can do and you know, there's a lot that we are doing and uh, probably more that we could be doing. So you do call out things on Twitter, for instance? I, yeah, yeah, no, I do. Right. <laughs> How does it feel to be like so lauded? So what? Lauded. Oh, weird. Hmm. Uh, you haven't got used to it. I guess somewhat used to it, but you know. Do you think there's, there are things people misunderstand about you? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, from what you've read, does anything like really bug you? Good question. I feel like... Uh, I don't know, I feel like everyone kind of like projects parts of themselves onto me and it's weird. And like sometimes I see a description of myself and I just like totally can't relate to it. Like sometimes, you know, when people on Twitter make these memes of like myself with, uh, you know, the really big muscles and like, uh, and like, I don't know, 
actually like I'm you know not that kind of person at all. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> they had a like a funding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you laugh or were you angry? I think I laugh. <laughs> if there's any city that you feel is home, which city would that be? Huh. I feel like maybe Singapore more than anywhere else now. Actually, I feel like in the last five years it might be the place or the city I've spent the most time. Somehow. Okay. Thanks very much for having lunch. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Lunch with Sumiko, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Check out my previous interviews with newsmakers and don't forget to subscribe to Lunch with Sumiko on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.